listen, last week, I, I got in my feelings last week. Like, I'd, I was sweating when I, when I left this place last week. But uh, I told you to come back because this week we're going to talk about storms and battles. So what's going on in our world and, and how do we respond? Storms, storms and battles. Storms and battles. Let's take, a, let's take a look at a couple of storms. Anybody remember Hugo? Hurricane Hugo, 1989. Listen, I, I was just a baby, but, but man, I remember the pictures. My dad had pictures of our house kind of being demolished and, and our, our area and our neighborhood and our city being demolished. But there was this Category 4 hurricane. And if you lived in North and South Carolina, you, you remember Hurricane Hugo. You, you at least heard about Hurricane Hugo. And this storm came through. It was totaling $11 billion in damage. It destroyed over 200,000 homes across the eastern seaboard. Fast forward, lived in Florida for college and, and stayed there for, for a season after. And I remember being at Southeastern University, and, and I was a student. Um, wasn't necessarily the, the smartest person uh, at the university. In the middle of the hurricane, I opened my dorm room and I walked outside. And, and I, remember, I remember the wind and the rain and, and we had these tornado warnings and the sirens were going off. I was like, I want to see a tornado. Not smart, Zach. Like, what, what's going on? But I remember the trees falling and, and the reality of it was it was just utter chaos. It was, you could tell there was a storm going on. But what about battles? What does is, what is a present day or a current battle look like? I told you last week about the Equality Act, that there's bills that are most likely going to be passed in January or February that will attempt to force Christian schools, including our own Concord Academy, to hire teachers who are not professing Christians. And not only that, it's individuals who don't necessarily live lifestyles or even teach along the same lines that, that we teach. And if we don't hire these individuals, then we could lose our accreditation. It's a modern day battle. I told you it was something that we should be aware of, but we, we shouldn't be surprised of. So you've got these storms and you've got these battles. And, and how do we know what's what? COVID-19, is it a storm or is it a battle? Uh, half of your eyes got about this big when I said that word. You're like, are you going to talk about that in church? I don't know. Storm, storm or battle? The political climate, is it a storm or is it a battle? Cancer, is it a storm or is it a battle? Depression, is it a storm or is it a battle? Let's take a look at what we know about storms. I, I've told a few people uh, this week, it's going to be a little different this week. I'm going to teach a little more this week. So let's take a look. Make sure you have your, your pens, your paper. Let's take some notes. Number one, it's inevitable that, we'll that we will face both storms and battles in life. Where's my Marvel fans? It's Thanos and Infinity Wars right? It's inevitable. We are going to face storms and battles in life. Number two, they are emotionally similar, but from different sources. Let me give you an example, right? If a hurricane destroys my house, I'm going to be enraged. I'm going to be angry. I'm, I'm, I'm going to want to fight somebody, right? If someone starts talking about my wife, if someone starts talking about my daughter, Piper, if someone starts talking about my other daughter, who I almost said her name right there, but you've told me I can't. Uh, so if someone starts talking about my family, I'm going to want to fight. Same emotions, same emotions, different source. Same emotions, different source. Number three, because storms and battles are very different, we have to respond differently. So I, I thought it would be a, a fun thing to do. Uh, these guys are going to be setting something up right here. So focus on me. Don't watch them right now, all right? 
So storms and battles in scripture, there's storms and there's battles. All right, there's two that we're going to specifically watch today. Okay, eyes on me, eyes on me. You'll, you'll see that in a second. I see some of y'all like, what's going on? Storms and battles. So the storm that we're going to be focusing on today is the plague of hell found in the book of Exodus. So Exodus chapter 9, verse 18 says this. At this time tomorrow, I will send the worst hell storm that has ever fallen on Egypt. He's drawing the line. From the day it was founded until now, give an order now to bring your livestock and everything you have in the field to to a place of shelter. Everything exposed in the open fields, people and animals will die in the hell, as the hell comes down. So if the Israelites would have tried to swing against the hell storm, they would have lost. Anytime you try to fight a storm, you lose every single time. But let's take a look at our battle today. Battle, it, it's the one that you probably recognize the most in Scripture. It's David and Goliath. 1 Samuel chapter 17, starting in verse 4, says this. Then Goliath, a Philistine champion from Gath. Anybody watch the fight last night? Y'all stay up. Man, it was a fight last night. This Philistine champion from Gath came out of the Philistine ranks to face the forces of Israel. He was over nine feet tall. He wore a bronze helmet, and his bronze coat of mail weighed 125 pounds. He also wore a bronze leg armor, and he carried a bronze javelin on his shoulder. The shaft of his spear was as heavy and as thick as a weaver's beam, and the tip of the iron weighed 15 pounds. Pounds. His armor bearer walked ahead of him carrying a shield. Goliath stood out and shouted to the ranks of Israel, Why do you come at me, or why do you come out and line up for battle? Am I not a Philistine, and are you not just servants of Saul? Choose a man and have him come down to me. If he's able to fight and kill me, we will become your subjects. But if I overcome him and I kill him, you will become our subjects and serve us. Then the Philistine said, This day I defy the armies of Israel. Give me a man and let us fight each other. For 40 days, the Philistine came forward every morning and every evening. Verse 24 says this, as soon as the Israelite army saw the giant, they began to run away in fright. The Israelites were scared and they just hid behind their battle lines. So are you going through a storm or are you going through a battle? Well, let's take a look at storms for just a second. See, the reality of it is you can't fight storms. So, so let me give you a live visual. Jordan, go ahead. What do we look like fighting storms? So go ahead. He hits the glove, right? All right. Jordan, go ahead. and uh, Jordan's fighting someone right now. This is an Oculus, Facebook Oculus VR. There we go. We're going to figure this out. We have a backup plan if this doesn't work. There you go. So this is what you look like fighting, fighting a storm. Somebody give him some encouragement. Knock him out, Jordan. Let me see that one, two. Somebody give him some encouragement. Act like you're in his corner right now. Act like you're, no, seriously, act like you're his coach and just yell at him. Come on, Jordan, knock him out. Knock him out. Knock him out. He's going to hit back. He's going to hit back. Knock him out. All right, y'all, y'all give it up. Y'all give it up for Jordan. Jordan, you can take off, you can take off the Oculus. You can go ahead and find your seat. Here, here's, the, here's the crazy thing. When you put this thing on, you can't see anything else. It literally looks like you're in a boxing ring. But, but that's, what we, that's what we look like trying to fight storms. 
It's like we have this, these goggles on our face, and, and the reality of it is Jordan could see somebody, but we knew he wasn't there. Jordan thought he was fighting something, but we knew there was nothing there. You were swinging like you were fighting somebody. You were breathing like you were fighting somebody, but there was no one there. And that's what it looks like when we try to fight the storm. You're swinging. It feels like you're in a fight. It feels like you're in the battle. There's nothing there. So what about battles? You can't run from a battle and it'll never go away. So here, here's the reality. If you treat a storm like a battle, you'll get crushed every time. But if you treat a battle like a storm, you'll live in fear. So I ask you the question again. Is what you're experiencing in life a storm or a battle? How, how do you know what you're facing? Let me give you five indications of a storm. Remember Exodus chapter 9, verse 18. A storm affects everyone. Matthew chapter 5 says that the rain falls on the just and the unjust. Number two, a storm makes you feel helpless. A few months ago, I was sitting at Good Drip Coffee, and I was sitting in one of our window seats, and I was thinking, man, I got to leave here in about five minutes, and all of a sudden, the bottom just fell out. Like, it just started raining, and all I could think of was, my truck's across the street, and I don't want to get soaking wet, and I'm supposed to go to the gym in about uh, 15 minutes. Not going to happen. I'm just, I'm just going to ha have to wait. Like, I, I literally just felt helpless. There was nothing I could do except to wait. Number four, a storm makes you, fear, uh, makes you fearful, and this type of fear leads to anger. But why does fear lead to anger? Because the fear is actually out of a lack of control. I, I can't pinpoint the clear enemy, and if I don't know what the enemy is, then I'm going to get frustrated. And when I get frustrated, all I know to do is to fight frustrates you. Number five, a storm makes you want to blame and to fight. So if your first inclination is to fight, it's actually probably a storm that you're going through. If the first thing you want to do is defend yourself, then you're probably facing a storm, not a battle. So you say, pastor, what about a battle? Five indications of a battle. Remember 1 Samuel chapter 17. A battle is a direct attack on a specific person, family, or group of people. Mr. Gary, Remember our uh, friend at our Davidson tailgate? Yeah. <laughs> You're like, oh, oh. So, so, so some, of you, some of you don't know what, what went on. In our own town that we live in, let me tell you what we were faced with. Paul and Nicole, you remember, do you remember this? Let me tell you what we were faced with. We're having fun. We're at, we're at Davidson tailgate. I don't know if this gentleman lived in the area or not, uh, but he saw our, our banner. It said um, Multiply Church, and, and he walked over. And he was like, oh, so, so you're a church? I said, yes, sir. Well, in fact, Gary approached him first. And Gary looked over at me and said, pastor. And his eyes got about this big. And I went, nope, don't know what you want me to do. But I'm not, com like, I'm not coming over there. And he kept like, hey, get, like, you got to get over here. I'm, I'm going, oh, boy. All right, here we go. So I go over, talk to this guy. And he, he had to be like 6'5", like 6'6". Six, six. He, he, like, he was definitely taller than me. I was like, hey, sir, how are you? Like I was looking up talking to him, and he goes, so you're the pastor. I don't know. Who's asking? <laughs> like, yeah, <laughs> what'd we do? Who got in trouble? Where's Gary? Like, <laughs> did he get in trouble? Like, yeah, I am. Yes, sir. He said, you shouldn't be allowed to preach anymore. I said, well, why is that? He goes, because you have interracial couples here. I said, excuse me? 
And that's when your boy went, pastor or not, we're about to square up. Like, what are you like? Like, do you know that my niece and nephew are white and black? Like, what's going on? Like, you, you really want to you really want to go there because you, you shouldn't be allowed in the pulpit ever again. I pointed at Paul. I said, hey, you see you see that guy right there? I said, that's our that's our worship pastor. He said, that's OK. I said, hey, you see, you see that, that woman right there? I pointed at Nicole. I said, that's his wife. And his eyes, like, he just, he just got, he got angry. I said, let me tell you something else. I said, you see that beautiful little girl right there? Her name's Maddie Joe, and that's their daughter. And she's beautiful, and she's called by God, and she'll change the world. And his eyes got this big. Well, you should never be allowed to be a church. I said, well, that's fine. We'll still meet Sunday at 1015. If you would like to come in, then, then you can come. And then I went right over to the officer, and I said, hey, um, by the way, Scott, I just invited that guy to church. If he shows up, you can let him in. Can you just sit beside him the, the whole time? But it was a direct attack on a specific group of people. Think back to scripture. The Philistine was calling out the Israelites. A direct attack. Number two, a battle will attempt to expose and taunt your weakness. That's what Goliath did. He stood out on the battle line and said, look, look how big I am. Look, look how big I am. Look how small you are. In a battle, you can easily identify the enemy. Number four, battle makes you fearful because of the size of your enemy and your weakness. Number five, a battle makes you want to hide and hope that the giant will go away or that someone else will fight the giant. If I'm honest with you, as soon as Gary called me over, I'm going, nah, man, you're hardly talking to him. Like, like you, you continue to talk to him. I don't want to talk to him. I, I didn't want to go over. I didn't want to fight. But then I made my way over. If your first inclination is to run and hide, then you're probably facing a battle. If the band would go ahead and come back up, storms versus battle. Storms versus battles. I remember living in Florida, and it was almost like you could set your watch by the rain every single day. Anybody ever live in Florida? Anybody ever like go on vacation in Florida? It's like every day, 3.45, the clouds start to come in. 3.45, it gets dark. By 4 o'clock, it starts to sprinkle. 4.15, the bottom drops out. And then for 30 minutes, you're like, my day is ruined. I, I can't do anything else. Well, imagine being stuck at work at a college uni or at a university, and you're like, oh, that's cool. My truck's parked halfway across the universe right now, so I've got to walk in the rain. And then by 4.50, the rain eventually stopped for, for 30 minutes it, it downpoured and then the rain stopped so what do you, what do we do in a storm what do you do in the storm number one is this you weather the storm by seeking refuge in jesus you weather the storm because here's the reality church storms always pass a storm can't stick around forever. I don't care how big it is. I don't care how loud it is. I don't care how much destruction it brings. The storm always has to pass. Exodus chapter 9 verse 19 says this. Give an order now to bring your livestock and everything you have in the field and place it under shelter. I don't know who needs to hear this this morning, but refuge is not retreat. Re refuge does not mean you're not willing to fight. Refuge just simply means I'm going to find my space in Jesus. Refuge means, listen, I don't know what is going on in life. I don't know why this storm is over my head, but I know that Jesus has the answer and he's going to be my refuge. Restraint is not weakness. Yeah. 
Just because you don't respond every single time somebody posts something on social media doesn't mean you're weak. I I can't tell you how many times I've been approached and people have asked, well, pastor, why don't you respond more to this? Pastor, why don't you respond more to that? Can Can I just tell somebody, just because we don't respond doesn't mean that we're weak. It just means that we're seeking refuge. Just because we don't have words for for every single thing that's posted on social media or every single YouTube video I see or every time CNN or Fox News posts, just because I don't have a response doesn't mean that I'm weak. It means that I'm just seeking refuge in Jesus. Listen, David was raised a warrior. The guy that killed the Philistine was raised a warrior. Well, Pastor, how do you know that? Because Scripture says that he killed lions and bears with his own hands before he ever faced the Philistine giant. But then, then he was anointed king. Well, as soon as he was an anointed king, almost immediately after, he was ran out. He was ran out of the kingdom. He found this place called En Gedi. And En Gedi is where David wrote most of the Psalms. And when you read the Psalms, you realize that even though David was a warrior, he knew how to take refuge in the Lord. Even though David was a warrior, he knew how to retreat to Jesus and to find strength in Jesus. Number two, how do you face a storm? You reach out to Jesus. You reach out to Jesus. Exodus chapter 9 verse 33 says this, Moses spread his hands out toward the Lord. First thing that Moses did when the hell was falling was he reached out. Psalm 143.6 says, I lift my hands to you in prayer. David's writing. He's been exiled. He's surrounded by the enemy. And he says, what do I do? I lift my hands to you in prayer. What do we do in a storm? Number three, we have to remember that the storm always passes. Exodus chapter 9, verse 33, it follows up by saying this, the thunder the hell stopped. So Moses reaches out, the hell stops. David reaches out, he defeats the enemy. Maybe, maybe you're in the situation that you're in right now. Maybe you find yourself in the middle of a storm and you're wondering why in the world is this storm not stopping? Why does this storm linger? Why is this storm just hovering over me? Why does it seem like this storm is getting worse and worse and worse? Church, can I ask you, are you reaching out to Jesus? Because it it sounds super, Pastor, it can't be that simple, but it is. But Pastor, does, does the Bible really say it does? And I don't know why we can't correlate the two. If life sucks, reach out to Jesus. If you don't understand, reach out to Jesus. If you're going through hardship, reach out to Jesus. Relationships aren't aligning, reach out to Jesus. Finances aren't aligning, reach out to Jesus. Marriages aren't aligning, reach out to Jesus. Relationship with your son or daughter aren't aligning, reach out to Jesus. Too often, we try to face the storm and what Jesus says is just reach out to me, reach out to Jesus because the Florida rain always passes. The hurricanes always pass. The storms always have to pass. But, but what do we do in the What do we do in the battles? What do we do in the battles? Let me go, go through this. What do we do in the battles? We have to fight the battles. So you find refuge in the storm, but you fight the battle. Refuge in the storm, fight the battle. Number one, stop hiding and thinking that the battle will go away. 
Stop hiding and thinking the battle will go away. 1 Samuel 17, 16 says this. For 40 days, the Philistine came forward every single morning and evening and took his stand. Could you imagine the scene? Battle lines are drawn. You got the Philistines on one side. You got the Israelites on the other. And for 40 days, this dude that was nine feet tall steps out. And he just starts calling out the Israelites. Just calls them out. It took one person to stand and actually fight. The Israelites tried to ignore Goliath, but the dude just didn't go anywhere. He, he wasn't going anywhere. So what battles are, is Jesus calling you to fight right now? What is the battle that Jesus is call, calling you as an individual to fight? L let, me, let me lean in and maybe step on a few toes or let me just ask the question. What if it's a political battle that Jesus is asking you to fight? Everybody took a big deep breath. But, but what if it's a political battle that, that Jesus is asking you to fight? Pastor, what do you mean? I think our government system would be better, and I'm talking all government, right? I'm not just talking about D.C. I'm talking all government, local all the way up to D.C. I think our government system would be better if people who actually follow Jesus ran for office. I, I think our society would be better if people that actually follow Jesus ran for office. What if it's a battle someone in this room should fight? Let, let me just ask this question. You want a town to change? Run for commissioner. You, you want a school system to change? Run for a school board position. You, you want someone to come to know Jesus? Start a small group. Church, we have to stop standing on the sidelines. We have to get in the battle and start to fight. Number two, we have to identify the correct enemy. Let me, let me finish reading the scripture. 1 Samuel 17, verse 26. Well, before, before David ever gets to the, the battlefield, his dad says, hey, David, you're the little one. You're the runt of the family. You're the young one. Go make some food for your brothers and, and, and take it to the battle line. And this is what I want you to do. Just feed your brothers, get a little report, and then come back and tell me what's going on. He was the newspaper, right? Hey, David, go find out what's going on, and then just come, come back and tell me how we're doing. Are we winning? Are we losing? What's going on? Verse 26. So David makes it to the battle lines. and David asked the men standing near him, what will be done for the man who kills the Philistine and removes this disgrace from Israel? Who is this uncircumcised Philistine that he should defy the armies of the living God? And so they repeated what they had already been talking about. But verse 28 says this, When Eliab, David's oldest brother, heard him speaking with the men, he burned with anger and he asked him, Why have you even come down here? And with whom did you leave those few sheep in the wilderness? David, you're a nobody. Why did you, his own brother, David, you're a nobody. Why did you even come down here? I know how conceited you are and how wicked your heart is. You came down only to watch the battle. I'd have been like, yeah, bro, dad told me to come down. I'm sorry. And this is what David said. He goes, now what have I done? You can tell he'd been picked on for a long time. You can, you can tell he was the little one, right? Now, now what have I done? Can I even speak? Verse 30 says, he then turned away to someone else and brought up the same matter. And the men answered him as they did before. Church, catch this. Catch this. David didn't fight with his brothers. 
David didn't fight with his brothers. Even though they were being jerks, even though they were calling out his junk, even though they were trying to, to make him look bad in front of the whole army, David didn't fight his brothers. Why? Because David recognized that the enemy was the enemy. David recognized that the real enemy was across the battlefield. David recognized that the enemy was the Philistine giant who was calling out the Israelites. Church, just because our brothers and sisters in Christ post something on social media or say things that we don't necessarily agree with, that doesn't mean that they're the enemy. And if we can't begin to notice that, then the enemy will actually start winning. If we start fighting each other, we can't fight the Philistine giant. If we start fighting each other, we can't fight the enemy together. Number three, we have to run towards battle. 1 Samuel chapter 17, verse 32 says this. David said to Saul, let no one lose heart on the, on the account of the Philistine. What does that mean? Hey, y'all don't worry. I'm going to take care of it. Y'all don't worry how big he is. I, I'm going to take care of it. Your servant will go and fight him. David says, I don't care how big he is. I'll go fight. Number four, trust in the name of the Lord. Verse 45 says this. David said to the Philistine. This is probably one of my favorite scriptures in the Bible. Uh, uh, imagine this 15, 16, 17-year-old boy standing up to this nine-foot giant. He says, you come against me with a sword and a spear and a javelin. I don't care how big you are. I, I don't care how well trained you are. I don't care how many people you've killed. I come against you in the name of the Lord Almighty, the God of the armies of Israel, whom you have defied. Number five, stand up to the giant defeat him but don't just defeat him defeat him in the name of the Lord notice notice what David said I come against you in the name of the Lord Almighty scripture goes on to say this this day the Lord will deliver you into my hands that I will strike you down and cut off your head like that's a little vulgar yeah it's real this very day I'll give the carcasses of the Philistine army to the birds and wild animals and the whole world will know that there is a God in Israel all those gathered here will know that it wasn't by a sword or a spear it's not my, by, by my ability it's not by what I can do but it's by the power of the Lord who saves for the battle is the Lord's and he will give all into his hands Verse 48 says, as the Philistine moved closer to attack him, David ran quickly toward the battle line to meet him. Reaching into his bag and taking out a, sto a stone, he slung it and struck the Philistine in the forehead. The stone sank deep into his forehead and he fell face down on the ground. Storms and battles. Storms and battles. I, I know, I know it can sound complicated. I, I know it can feel complicated, but can I complicate it a little more? <laughs> There, there's internal storms that you have to deal with as an individual and then there's external storms there's internal battles and then there's external battles listen a, a storm for me might be a battle for you and a battle for you might be a storm 
for me. Here's the reality. We all go through seasons. You say, Pastor, how, how do I deal with it? How, how do I deal with storms? How do I deal with battles? How do I respond? James 1.5 says this. If any of you lacks wisdom, you should ask God who gives generously to all without finding fault. And it will be given to you. You say, Pastor, that's a cop-out. Pa- Pastor, that sounds... That sounds too simple. Just pray and and, and I'll find an answer. Pastor, that that can't be that easy. But but it is, church. It is. My first response can't be CNN. My first response can't be Fox. My first response can't be YouTube. My first response can't be Instagram. My first response can't be the conversation that I had with my cousin who talked to my uncle, who then talked to his best friend who lived in D.C. Our conversations can't be with what we see. Our conversations have to be with God. Our conversations have to come from the Bible. Our first response has to be the Bible. So all across this room as we just stand, can we stand together? Here's my question. Here's my question. Will we weather storms and will we fight battles?